If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up with me uh, for the final part of this series to Luke chapter 11. We're going to be in 9 through 13 today. Uh, it's so good to see everyone. Uh, it's good to see you this morning. If, if, if you're new here, my name is Ethan, and I'm one of the pastors here at the well. And, and if this is your first time to worship with us, man, it's such an honor to have you here. I hope you find yourself at home here uh, as we get to praise Jesus, the greatest privilege, the greatest opportunity. And in this moment, we get to hear um, how he is faithful to all of us who are in Christ. So today we are going to uh, go through the final part of this sermon series that we have called the Disciples' Prayer, where we have been walking through Luke chapter 11 and seeing Jesus' teaching on how to pray. And so for all of us, uh, as the Well Church, and if you are here as a friend or maybe new, we have this desire, this uh, longing within us to grow as a prayer, to grow as someone who is running to Jesus, running to the Lord over and over again, constantly without ceasing throughout the day, running to Him in prayer. As the disciples went to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us out how to pray as John taught his disciples, we want to learn. And so for us as a church family, it is a good and right thing to have a desire to grow deeper into this discipline of prayer. And so as we have gone through this chapter, we have learned many things, but the shore of what we have learned is that ultimately we pray to worship God. We pray to exalt his name, where we see at the beginning of Luke chapter 11, when he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. We want to exalt the name of God. We pray for his will, where we see in the gospel account in Matthew that the Lord's kingdom, we pray for his kingdom to come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God's kingdom is advancing. His will is being accomplished. His earth is being altered. In this, we pray for requests. We pray both personally and congregationally. We pray for provision. When he says, give us this day our daily bread. We pray for pardon. When he says to pray for forgiveness of our trespasses. And we pray for protection that we would not be led into temptation. Not only do we pray to exalt God, we pray for the will of God. We pray for these requests from God. We pray boldly confidently, persistently. As last week, as we saw the friend who goes to the friend at midnight to knock on his door asking for bread, no shame, no regrets. We looked at that, we looked at that word, onadea, this word that means unashamedly. And so we run to God praying boldly that he would answer in our day. And so today we come to the final part where today we are going to see this reality that we pray by petitioning God. We pray by petitioning God. When we think of that word petition, petition, I, I often think of growing up, whether I was in school or even if you're out in the public, that back in the day, uh, this was before you did it on phones, you would see someone going around and they would have a clipboard. And so it'd be some rando that would come up to you and you don't know who they are, but they'd say, hey, I am so-and-so and I'm advocating or I'm looking for support for this political cause or this social cause or whatever it may be. And they would ask if you would sign your name. 
and we'd always be super hesitant because we don't want to get spammed on some email list forever. So we'd always like leave like one letter wrong if you did that. <laughs> I did that. Uh, but you would put these things on there. And if you had enough signatures, enough names, they would take the petition. They would submit it to a leader. They would submit it to an organization or a government, whoever it might be, in hopes that they would see it, they would recognize it, and they would answer it. There was a petition that particularly meant a lot to me. I don't sign a lot of these, but there was one that was very, very important to me. And it was on, I saw it on Facebook almost two years ago. And the petition was this, sign this petition so Trader Joe's would come to Huntsville. <laughs> and so if you've been to Birmingham or Nashville and you've had the, just the, the, the joy of going to Trader Joe's, you know it's an incredible place. They even give you free samples of coffee when you go. Like, it's an incredible place. And so I remember there was a rumor, there was a speculation that Trader Joe's was going to come to Huntsville. And if you sign this petition, they were doing this crowdsourcing type of thing where if they had enough, they would choose your city over someone else. And so I'm thinking... I'm about to sign this joker every day until it comes here. And I would unashamedly, I would go and I would sign the online petition over and over. And I would even go as far to leave like a little paragraph or like an essay sometimes of why Trader Joe's should come to Huntsville. And I remember in the last one I did, uh, I put on there, I said, you guys are crazy if you don't put Trader Joe's in Huntsville. Everybody is moving here. You should put a Trader Joe's here. And so it was a few months ago that the Lord blessed Huntsville. And he said, Trader Joe's is coming to Huntsville. And it was thousands and thousands and thousands of signatures that were on this thing. And so I was so stoked just to see the city get that win. When it comes to petitions in God's kingdom, it's a little bit different. You don't need a hundred signatures. You don't need a thousand signatures. You need just one. It's the signature of Jesus. You don't have to make a case. You get to listen to his case. You don't have to earn your own merit that validates your petition, your prayer, your request. It's based on his merit of what he did on the cross. It's not about our own will, but it's about his own will. See, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. See, you and I can go to the Lord. We can petition God. We can make requests to God because of what Jesus has done. Your needs, your struggles, your requests, the problems in life, the opportunities in life, so much more. All of this is made possible to be made known to God based on what Christ has done for you. He has opened the pathway and by faith in him, the bridge between God and man. That was, that was the gap between God and man that was created by sin has been made, it has been reconciled, it has been brought together by Jesus. And so it's in this final piece of the disciples' prayer that Jesus teaches us this profound truth, where that if you listen closely today, I believe that God will ignite a fire in your life to pray, a fire that is unquenchable and a fire that will sustain for the rest of your days. Let's look in Luke 11 and let's see what Jesus says here. Let's start in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. 
And he said to him, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you as we finish up uh, this amazing teaching that you have laid before us. And God, I pray that today we would not hesitate. We would not be afraid, but we would be boldened, emboldened to go and to petition you, to pray to you for whatever it might be in our lives, knowing that you will answer. God, we just ask that you would mold and shape us now, and that you would make us a church. You would transform us into a, a church, not that one, not one that is just praying every now and then, not one that can pray when it's necessary, but one that prays without ceasing, prays with confidence, prays expectantly, knowing that you move when your people pray. So God, I pray that right now your spirit would move in all of us, and that you would get the honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. So in these four or five verses, we see uh, some incredible truth as we come to the end of this section. You're going to see uh, one thing. You're going to see petitions, and then you're going to see a promise. And so we're going to examine these petitions, and then we're going to examine the promise that Jesus gives in this text. And this will give us a final foundation for how to pray as a follower of Jesus. Let's look at this first part, petitions. What I want you to see is that God grants our request. Number one, for these petitions, we see that God grants our request. I want you to look at 9 and 10. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so it's in this that he is indeed talking about prayer. If you looked at it just in context, we wouldn't understand what that meant, but we know that from beginning to end of this section, Jesus is teaching them how to pray. And so this ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. These are postures of prayer, of these positions we have before the Lord, these requests we have before the Lord where he answers. 
Now, to understand this, we got to think about a few things. When we read this, we absolutely see that God answers prayer. Does this mean that we will receive everything that we pray for? I don't believe it means that. I believe that's no. Um, and I'll explain why. Because when we read that and it says, ask and it'll be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open, it sounds like a free pathway, right? <laughs> like we read that and it's like, yes, like if I pray for this, I'm going to get it. Now you will receive an answer, but I don't believe that answer will always be yes. Let me give you an example of this. There was a person that I sat under as they were preaching the word many, many years ago. And, and I distinctly remember um, listening to this brother. And one of the things he was preaching on was Psalm 37. And in Psalm 37.4, there's an incredible verse that David writes out. In Psalm 37.4, it says, You delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. How amazing is that? You delight in God, and He will give you the desires of His heart. Now, as I heard this brother teaching this, he used it in such a way where it was demonstrated like this. His point was, because I delight in Jesus, I was given by Jesus the dream job I always wanted. There's no way I could have gotten it. There's no way I could have earned it. But because I just joyed in Christ, because I was blessed by Jesus, he gave me this job. It was only because I delighted in him. And so he treated delight like it was a key you insert into the hole. You turn it and it unlocks whatever you want in prayer. But my brother was missing the point of that song. It's not that when you delight in God, he gives you whatever you want. And when we ask God a petition that he gives us whatever we want, but when you look at Psalm 37.4 and you look at the beginning of this passage, there's a common thing that if you delight in God, the desires of your heart are going to change, right? That if you delight in Jesus, he is your treasure, he is your joy, the things you desire in life, the things you want in life begin to transform in due time that the things you will are actually the things He wills. And so when we delight in the Lord, He indeed gives you the desires of His heart because your heart is aligned with His. And so it's in this passage. Look at the beginning. How do I know this is the case? Consider how He started it. He said, Father, hallowed be your name. And in the gospel account of this prayer, He says, your kingdom come and your will be done. These same exact principles that our prayers are aligned to the will of God. They change in time. As we mature in Jesus, our prayers mature in Him. As we get to know Him more, it changes the content, the motivation, the urgency behind what we pray. And so when it comes to, will He answer yes to every single prayer? I don't believe that is the case. But does He answer and does He say yes to prayers? Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, when you ask God, God is faithful to answer. When you ask Him, He answers. And so here is the misconception. And this is actually where most people tend to lean and they begin to get this wrong. The misconception is this, that God is reluctant to say yes to your prayers. That there's a hesitation on His part to grant a request. But this is the furthest thing from the truth. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. 
He says it right here, that if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened. That there is a general disposition of God where he says yes to prayers. But more often than not, in our day, in our generation, in our culture, folks struggle with that. We struggle with that because we are afraid of getting rejected. Because we are afraid of getting a no. It's like someone who wants to take a risk. They think about taking a risk, but they never take a risk in life because they are afraid of failure. Because it's crippling the idea of not progressing forward, ever asking questions, ever taking big moves. And it's this mindset that we have in life and the risk that we have in life, and we apply it to God. Then like, I can't ask him that because what if he says no? Or I can't go to him about that because that's too big. Or I can't approach Jesus because it's just not the right time. His word is saying the opposite. He's saying to ask, go to him, knock, Seek. He is faithful to answer. And I believe he answers yes more often than not. Where we would be surprised, we would be shocked to see how often God is faithful to grant these requests we give to him. See, God does not work in that way where there's this hesitancy. It's always no in prayer. And see, I believe in our biggest fear in getting a no, we lose our opportunities to receive a yes. As he listen, folks, you got to realize something. When we go to God, we ask and we seek and we knock, whatever that prayer might be, that petition might be, you have to realize this. If we get a yes, if you, we get a maybe, or, or not a maybe, but we get a wait, or we get a no, all three of those are good things from the Lord. All three of them. I mean, think about it. If you get a yes from God, he answers your prayer. He grants this request. Praise God. He has blessed you in this. He has responded with provision or pardon or protection for your friend that was needing to follow Jesus, placed his faith in Jesus for this next step, this clarity you may need. He may give it to you, and he indeed does. Praise God if he says yes. What if he says wait? Because we love waiting, right? What if he says, wait, praise God? Because it's in the waiting that more often than not, he is teaching you and I to be patient, to be humble, to trust him, to depend on him, that no, you do not need this now, but it's in this that you will learn to trust him in a way you couldn't if you were given everything you needed right now. It's in the waiting that he builds maturity. It's a blessing when he causes us to wait. It's even a blessing when he says no. Like, how is that possible? Like, is that actually true? Absolutely. Absolutely. If God says no to one of your petitions, one of your requests, it is actually a good thing because it very well may be that he is preventing you from experiencing, from doing something sinful, bad, or something that would pull you away from your walk with Jesus. Did you ever in your childhood ask your parents for something and the whole time you had no idea it was a stupid idea, but your parents did? And they said, no, we didn't understand that, but in due time you do. Do you think that it's possible we go to God, we pray a request to him, having no idea it's a bad idea? 
See, he is a good father. And he, when he says no, it is actually for your own good. Like when my kid Heidi uh, sits down to eat a meal, she has this habit and it is so scary to me. But she doesn't understand like eating just a bite. She only understands eating the entire plate at one time. So like when you sit her down in front of whatever you've laid in front of her, she just begins shoving every single piece of it in her mouth up until the point like it's terrifying. And so there reached a point where like, like if you don't stop her, she's going to put an entire chicken in her mouth, everything that's on her plate. And it's just like ridiculous. And she doesn't realize the consequence of doing that. It's dangerous. It's a bad idea. And so what we do, is I'll sit there and I will put my hand in front of her plate so that she can't get more. She screams and she cries about it. She's upset about it because she doesn't understand that I'm trying to protect her. Yes, it looks like a good thing, but it has to be given in the right way. And so when God says no, it's not out of this rebuke of you or this shame of you. It's actually out of love for you. That he has faithfulness even in a no. And so God's default for us, I believe, is to ask. It's because of this hesitation that we see modeled in life that we hesitate to go to God. But I believe he is calling us to go to him with all things at all times and all places. And it's in this we see him be faithful and yes, wait, or even a no. We have to ask. We have to seek. We have to knock as a church family. We must do this. So we see these petitions where God does indeed grant our request, but I want you to see a promise. We see these petitions, but now I want you to see a promise that God gives us the Holy Spirit. How does this connect? Look back in this passage. In verse 11, look back. He says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He gives this idea where if you have a father and a son, and the son asks for something from his dad, he gives an example of a really bad way to respond. He gives this example. He said, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? So I know we're not a snake handling church, but generally, that's a, actually always, that's a bad idea, right? <laughs> instead of a fish, this food, we give him something that's dangerous. Like, that's a bad idea. Dad, good dads don't do that, right? That's a bad idea. Or he said, if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. And so again, that's a bad idea. Fathers generally do not do this. That's a bad idea. And he makes the case here. He says, if you are evil and you know how to give gifts, good gifts to your children, meaning that you and I are fallen, we have sinned in this life. We are not perfect. We are not uh, uh, perfectly righteous in our own self. We need that from Jesus. If we have the ability to bless our kids, to bless our sons, to bless our daughters with great gifts, how much more can a Heavenly Father bless us with a perfect gift? 
And so it's interesting to me that in this, God doesn't say all kinds of gifts. He doesn't say a certain thing. He actually says a person. It's in this that he says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? And so here is what he is promising to you and I. If you are in Jesus, he has given you the greatest gift of them all, and that is himself. He has given you himself. And how has he done that? He has done it by sealing you, by giving you, by allowing the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, dwelled in the tabernacle. And it was by the high priest going into the Holy of Holies that he experienced the presence of God. He would make an atonement for the sins of the nation of Israel. But it was after the crucifixion and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. He says, I am leaving, but I'm about to send you a helper who will descend. And so it was in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the church was born and the Holy Spirit came down. And for the first time in Christian history, Believers became the temple of God, that you and I were indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That as Christ ascended, the Spirit descended. He isn't just floating around doing random things, but He comes to live in you. Where now, wherever you go, God is with you. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and the Holy Spirit is God in us. See, the Holy Spirit, you have to understand, why would he say this? Because the Holy Spirit is the greatest thing we could ever receive. See, the Holy Spirit seals us, according to Ephesians chapter 1. Meaning that if you are sealed by Jesus, you are set in him. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God because the Holy Spirit has sealed you. He has claimed you and nothing will remove you from the presence of God. Nothing will remove you from the righteousness he has given you. Nothing will take that away because of the Spirit in you. The Spirit seals us even when you don't know how to pray. Romans 8 tells us the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. There's been moments in our life where we don't know what to say to God right? You don't know what to pray. You don't know what to ask. You don't know what to do at all. And so as we, in these moments, we pause, we say, God, I don't know what to pray. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. He intercedes for us, Romans 8. He gives us life, John chapter 6. It's the Holy Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. And so the spirit in you breathes life into your body, breathes life into your heart, into your soul, where you have a vibrant, a full life that is abundantly following Jesus. He gives us life. John chapter six, he allows you and I to bear fruit. Galatians chapter five, where we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control because the Spirit is within you. And if the Spirit lives in you, you bear fruit. So for the friend that asks for prayer and the friend that is going to the Lord, you ask for patience, you ask for joy, you ask for kindness. The one who grants that lives within you. Self-control, he lives within you. All of these things because God has given us himself. And so you have to understand 
that this is the perfect way to finish the prayer, to finish this passage, because he has assured us that it's in him and him alone that we can have all fullness of prayer because God himself lives in you and I. And so we see these petitions that you and I are to make requests to God, and I believe he grants these requests, and that you and I have received the Holy Spirit, and it's because we have received the Spirit that we can even run to Jesus, run to the Father. So as we come to a close, as I try to think about how we needed to finish today, for us to grow in prayer, for us to experience prayer, is something that in this moment, this section of Scripture is done in community. It's done as a peoples, as a congregation. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Forgive everyone. Lead us not into temptation. This happens together. This doesn't happen alone, but it happens in a community. And so as we reflect and finish on this as a church, I believe the best way we can apply what we have learned is to pray together. I believe we need to give all to him today that there are things going on in your life that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus. And so here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something that we do not often do. Um, we, we, we don't. Um, but I believe today is the day that I do want to ask you to do this. Unashamedly in all boldness, here in a moment, as Christian goes ahead and makes his way up here, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come, to come up front in this place, to make this place an altar where we kneel to God and we lay everything at his feet. And we do this as a church. We do this together. I know owl walking is like an old thing, right? right? I know that's not something you see often, but guess what? So is prayer. <laughs> I know that that can be nerve-wracking, but to walk down here and to come up here and pray, let me remind you of the dear friend in the verses before who goes to his friend's house at midnight, unashamedly in an on-a-day away, going in all boldness to pray to God. No restraints, nothing held back, nothing to stop this brother from going. I pray that that's the same disposition of our church here in the next moment, that nothing would stop us. We wouldn't be afraid of what someone else thinks. We wouldn't be worried about the awkwardness or the uncomfortability that might come with praying together as a church. But we would be fixated on the God who answers, the one who grants requests, the one who has sealed us with the Spirit, who has gifted us Him. I just want you to come. If you have a dear friend that is far from Jesus, I want you to come to pray that our God would draw their heart to open up their eyes to see the hope of the gospel. If you have sin you need to repent of, sin that you have been hiding, sin that has been in the dark, I want you to come. I want you to come, kneel, and confess this to God, to pray to Him. If you have a request to share 
and you're worried of going alone, to go with a brother or sister or a friend in this place and to share that with God together. You may be here and you've never given your life to Jesus, never trusted in the hope of the gospel. Our Savior, who loves you, who died for you, and who can save you, save you today. You need to come. I want you to come to find a place to pray that he would save you from your sin, that he would redeem you and make you new. That he would take your guilt, he would take your shame, and he would wash you as white as snow. And as Christian wisely shared earlier, that we can have freedom. You can have freedom for the first time in your life today by trusting in Jesus. No strings attached, but a simple gift that he will give you if you trust in him. I want you to come and I want you to pray to receive him as Lord and Savior. To let me know as soon as you do this, that you have trusted in Jesus for the very first time and you have been adopted into the family of God. Whatever it is, I want you to come. If your marriage is broken, if your marriage is hurting, I want you to come. If you are functioning right now as the captain of your own soul, you are guiding your life, you are steering your life, you are the one that sets the way, I want you to come and I want you to give it to Jesus. I want him to be the one that leads you, his word to guide you, and you give it back to him. If you are addicted to pornography, if you are enslaved to sexual sin, lust, I want you to come pray. I want you to give that to Jesus. Let Jesus take that from you. If you are anxious, if you are depressed, if you are worn down from life, the burden of this world weighing on your shoulders and you have nothing left to give, you can't go another moment. I want you to come. I want you to pray and give that to Jesus. Give it to him. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He is gentle and lowly and he will take this from you. I want you to come. I want you to give it to him. If you have fear of man, you are scared of what is in the world. You don't know what your next step is. There is danger abounding. There is worry over your soul. I want you to come and I want you to give it to the good shepherd who will make you lie down in green pastures. He will lead you by still waters. He will restore your soul. He will be your shepherd and he will give this to you today if you will come. If you have a dear friend that is wounded, someone that is hurt, someone that is healing, someone that is sick, I want you to come and I want you to pray for them. That God would help them recover, that God would help them heal, that he would restore them both physically and spiritually. That you would intercede on their behalf today. I want you to come and pray that God would send a revival in our day, in our generation, in our city, on this campus, in our church, that God would do such a profound work, it can only be explained by him and him alone. I want you to come and pray for this. If you are a Christian who has no desire to pray, no urgency, nothing within you that wants you to run to God, I want you to come. 
and ask that God would restore the joy of your salvation, that he would recreate a passion in you, that he would begin this today, and that he would develop a foundation of prayer that would last all of your days. I want you to come if this is you. There's so many things to pray for. And God has given us a clear command as a church. He's given us this reality that if we ask, He will answer. If we seek, we will find Him. And if we knock, He will open a door. I just want to call you to come today, just this time, and to pray that God would move. This is our opportunity. I want us to take it now. Let's pray together. And as Christian and Allie and Tristan begin leading us, if you feel led, come on. This altar is open, and I want to call you to pray. Let's pray together.